Before we start the show, I want to thank the thousands of you, the thousands who have read This Book Will Make You Dangerous. Many of you have told me that the book's unique way of exploring fear, confidence, and purpose has had a lasting impact, that it's much easier for you to get clarity and direction about what really matters and what you want to do in this lifetime. It's also amazing to hear that quite a few of you have read it multiple times and even bought copies for friends, so thank you again. Just in case you weren't aware, I created a free companion video course for the book. And in these videos, I walk you through the big takeaways and practices from each chapter. And I even cover some extra stuff that's not included in the book. Information on how to access the course is in newer versions of the book. And if you own an older version of the book and you don't know how to access the course, just hit me up via the contact form at triplinear.com and we'll get you all set up. And one last thing, if you're one of the thousands who have already read the book, please consider leaving an honest review on Amazon so that others can decide if it's right for them. Again, thank you so much for reading. This book will make you dangerous. And now let's start the show. You are listening to the new man beyond the macho jerk and the new age wimp. Your host is men's coach, Trip Lemire. How important is it for you to be in control? Do you ever feel like your life is out of alignment with your values? And what does it take to forgive someone who has hurt you deeply? Today, my wife, Allison Lanier, gets curious about the emotionally constipated guy I used to be back in my early 20s. We talk about why I went to therapy, why I hated the idea of personal growth, and how my life looked amazing from the outside, but was a fragmented mess on the inside. Do you remember that? Oh, the, the guy who had his... Well. Sorry, he was a security guard, and his entire, like, his entire Instagram account was just him, like, yelled at me. fart. <laughs> Who's that guy? I love it. So that, that's a turn on <laughs> for you. I knew. <laughs> What if he has you like groupies? Me. What if he has groupies? He's got he's he got brought, ladies I, that they, are DMing him and, and they're just like, I, I I'm want. sure there's a fetish. I'm sure there's a fetish for that. You're sure because you've you've looked it up? No, but I just I've I feel like I've worked with enough people, I've talked to enough people, I've seen enough things in the world to be like, all right, this is there's just somebody out there somewhere, or a few somebodies, or many somebodies out there. That like the farts. That yeah, they get a little turned on by the farts. And you're one of them. <laughs> I'm not one of them. Stop saying that. I just feel like this is where I'm letting you down. That's why you why you got me a Chipotle gift card for yeah, Christmas. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Because you wanted me yeah. to. Yeah. No sex toys in the stocking. We want farts. <laughs> They're kind of one in the same. Bring on the gas. Bring on the gas. Well, it's... Okay. Welcome to the new man. <laughs> we're, we're back. <laughs> There's so many things that we can talk about. But so many things. One of the things that I'm tracking with you and just generally, one of the reasons that I wanted to do this with you is that you'd have done this podcast for, I don't know how many years, definitely over 10 or 11 now. How many? Yeah, I think it started in 2006 or 2007. Yeah. Point being long time, long time today. As part one of three, I think I want to get into the life and times of Trip Lanier. 
Don't say it like that. <laughs> I can say how about both. Yeah. Um, you know, part of what I'm curious about and what I what I want our listeners to, you know, receive and get to know you more on is know more about like your life and how did you even you've come so far since even since I've met you, but you were on a journey even before I met you. And when I met you, you were at a certain place in your seeking and your growth. And, um, you were running a media production company in Florida. I was in Colorado in Boulder and, uh, you were like doing commercials, like political stuff for money and doing stuff for ESPN and documentaries and stuff and keep going. Well, I'm saying my, my, I want to give you give the context cause you don't need to do all that. I just want to know like, but you were on a path when I met you, I, the, the man that I knew about you was like, right. you were doing Tai Chi. You were, you had started teaching old ladies group. Tai Chi. Teaching old ladies. I was. I didn't know you were teaching old ladies Tai Chi, but I knew you were teaching it. Was it was me and the ladies. Will you share a little bit more about what that chapter? Of I'll, your I'll do that. I'll, I'll share this, but the context would be, um, just so the listener can find, maybe find themselves in that story too. And, mm -hmm. and okay, humble. I don't, it's not humble. It's just uncomfortable. <laughs> okay. Humble. They're uncomfortable. So what would help me is if we put it through the context of like, of the growth path, because there was definitely a before and an after. Okay. So how did you get into personal growth? How about that? How did Something I get into like personal that? growth? That, that works. That, that feels better. Right. So especially mm -hmm. if we're, you know, this book that's coming out, this book will make you dangerous. Right. So a lot of the concepts in this book, like where did they come from? What's stuck? I, I, that helps me to give it an arc, you know, from, from the, you know, if this thing's being published and where did it, where did the light get turned on and why? So I would say that, um, if we're talking about growth, I was a person in my early twenties who was not interested in growth. Why? I, I was very much trying to just control my world. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I was trying to control my world, you know, in hindsight was that after my mom's death, when I was 13, I essentially was just like, I don't want to feel anything and I don't want to be provoked by anything. I was doing whatever I could to wrestle this, whatever grief and anger and, you know, just feelings, just trying to keep them all under the lid. And I had no idea at the time how much energy I was spending trying to do that. And so I, what, what it meant was that I just didn't have a lot of curiosity about the world. I didn't want to explore the world. I certainly didn't want to explore my inner world. There were things that I wanted to learn. I was, I was interested in the, the business that I was building, which was a media production company. I started that company you know, five months after I graduated from college. A lot of my energy was going into that, just building a company, but I really was checked out of my own experience. So what were your relationships like oh, if God, you were checked they were out? Terrible. I was, <laughs> um, I mean, looking back on it, I've got a lot of regrets about how I treated some of the, the girls that I was with. Um, I was terrified to be with a woman, A, that could actually meet me or challenge me and um, hurt me. I didn't want to be hurt again or left or left. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, 
so the, for a long time, women, the, the girls in my life were, uh, you know, people that I could keep at arm's length or, um, people that I, I knew I just wouldn't get close to. So I was playing really small in, in that department. Although I did, I, I did end up in one relationship with, with someone who I really genuinely cared about. And we ended up moving to, in together and I'll talk about that in a minute. But, um, what I didn't know is that I was, I was in a minefield emotionally. Mm-hmm. And so even though I could talk about things that had happened, I could, I could talk about the situation with my mother. And, and then that, I was like, well, this isn't so bad. I can talk about it. Mm-hmm. It's not that big a deal. Mm-hmm. But what would happen is, uh, somebody that I was remotely close with or whatever might die, I'd go to that funeral and I would just lose it. Mm. I, my, like, uh, like way beyond emotionally, the, your yeah. connection with the actual person that passed. Yeah. Like I genuinely care about the person, but my emotional response mm-hmm. was over the top. Way there have been several more. instances or situations where something would happen and, and it would be a, it would be something that would, that would garner some kind of an emotional response, but my response would be way over the top. And I would mm-hmm. find myself like having to leave or go hide somewhere because I was just bawling and I, and I couldn't understand. It was terrifying. I was like, what is going yeah, on? What's happening? What is going on? And, and was that happening also? So like, and yes, that only happened for, a few times for grief, for truth with like grief and loss. But was that also happening in your relationships where they were lousy, but, but would you find yourself maybe having outbursts of anger or, or like spikes of anxiety or depression or anything like that, that you wouldn't necessarily label it as such back then. But, but was there anything where you noticed that you were having like, rah, you know, would happen? And it was like, what was that? In a relationship as well? I don't recall. There was a, there was, unfortunately there was a lot of alcohol in my uh, life at that time. I was not an alcoholic per se, but it was just such a common thing. Like I lived in a college kid, town and like crazy. Yeah. And everybody mm-hmm. was just drunk all the time. So there was just a lot of dumb things, mm-hmm. dumb interactions. Mm-hmm. I can guarantee if you took alcohol out of the equation that, that so many things would have cleared up and mm-hmm. wouldn't have said mm-hmm. a lot of the things that, that I said. So, yeah. So I was having these, these types of emotional episodes and they were like, Whoa, what was that? And it was scary not knowing when that might happen. Mm-hmm. And I remember my dad pulled me aside one time cause we were at a funeral together and this was after the funeral. And he, he asked me, he's like, will you go see a therapist? Mm-hmm. And I knew that that was tough for him because my, my assumption, and I have to check this out with him is he was like, he wouldn't go see a therapist. <laughs> so for him to ask me to go do that was a huge deal in, in this environment that where we never talked about what happened to my mother. It just wasn't talked about. Um, it just been every, not really necessarily brushed under the rug, but like, let's go forward facing. We're moving on. That was the way that we were going to cope with this. And so he asked me to go and I felt a bit defiant, like, well, there's nothing wrong with me and I'll prove it. You know, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll go and I'll show you. I'll have the therapist write you a letter and be like, trip's perfectly fine. <laughs> <laughs> Might've been a little bit of hubris. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird with coming from you. So I want to, I'm noticing when you said, the first thing that you said was you didn't care at all about personal growth and what you're sharing has a lot to do or personal development. And what you're sharing has a lot to do with basically being able to be with yourself, be with your traumas and emotions, be with your adverse experiences, but also like be with the expression of those And, and I think there are people that think personal development might have nothing to do with like emotional intelligence or getting to a place where they can be with 
what's going on inside them, doing their quote, personal work. Personal development can look like, oh, I'm going to read this book and then I'm going to like Atomic Habits. I'm just going to, I'm going to have awesome, I'm going to do personal development because I'm going to read Atomic Habits, which is a, I love that book, but it's like, that's not about me necessarily working on what's going on inside in my psychology and that whole thing. So, so I just think the question that I want to have for you is that when you thought, I don't want to have anything to do with that. It sounds like you were lumping all that in together. I had no idea what personal growth was. I just, it wasn't, um, I didn't have any interest in that. And I, I didn't have any interest in, um, kind of rooting around in Mm -hmm. my psyche. Mm. I, that was not something that, um, if anything, I wanted better strategies for outrunning my discomfort. If, if I could find things that would help me outrun it, then great. Let's go have more fun or do this or like, but that was the strategy. How do I, the more was, how do I get better at going faster and outrunning this train? Mm -hmm. This thing's going to, it's trying to catch me. Mm -hmm. And that's my strategy. It's not going to be to turn around and let the train mow me over. That was like, that was not an option. Mm -hmm. It was, I need to get better at outrunning this thing. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I sat down with the, with the therapist that I worked with the first time, I was, just, I was completely green to this whole process. And I was like, well, what's the end game here? And she's like, well, ideally you'd forgive your mother. And I was like, <laughs> good luck. Yeah. <laughs> I was so rooted in that victim mindset. I loved, I was so righteous and I'd been wronged. And there was a, there was well, such a gripping it, identity yeah, of like, I mean, why that would was all give, true. Why would I ever give that up? Like it was just, I get to be pissed off and, and I, I don't want to make peace with this person. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to have yeah, that. That's it not felt even unforgivable. So, yeah. It just, it was like, well, that's not even an outcome I want. Mm-hmm. I don't get that that would be peaceful. Mm-hmm. So, and it was also just how I, disconnected I was to, she was like, well, how often do you think about this? And I was like, well, I don't know, a few times an hour. And she's like, it happened 10, 12 years ago. And you're still thinking about it a few times. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that's not normal. Mm-hmm. Right. I just, I didn't have any standard Mm -hmm. for that. Like how, like it was just normal. It was just normal. So, um, yeah, so I, I began that process and and that process was largely intellectual. I just, I felt like I got it like, Oh, this is what happened. And this is what happened to my emotional, but I wasn't connected to any kind of emotional state, like, or any kind of emotional aspect of it. And she would poke and prod and try to give me some things, but I really just wasn't, I was just so bogged down and armored. And Mm -hmm. I I don't really think I could have done anything. I don't feel like I was resisting it. Mm -hmm. I just, it just wasn't going to happen. And, um, I was living with the girlfriend I had at the time and I I walked into the therapist's office and I was like, yeah, uh, you know, I think it's time we just wrap up our work together. And she's like, okay. And I said, and by the way, I said, my, my girlfriend, she's, she's moving out. She's going to move to New York. She's going to go away for six months. And I remember my therapist's eyes just lit up like, okay, good luck. <laughs> we'll, we'll see how that goes. Of course, my girlfriend moved out. She didn't move out for six months. She was gone. Our relationship was over and the whole thing went tits up. Mm. And that's when, uh, yeah, like, yeah, I grieved the relationship and losing the relationship with my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And that was heartbreaking and that sucked and that was painful. But then there was this, the iceberg, like what was underneath the water mm-hmm. was all of that grief. Here was the abandonment stuff and, and I couldn't eat. 
I couldn't, I could, I couldn't even go to the grocery. I'd be walking along the grocery aisle and just break down like whatever stupid Muzak song would just mm. hit me. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, Oh God, and I'd just lose it. And I, I was terrifying. It was terrifying to n- not know at any moment when I was going to break down and, and, and lose it. And, and the losing it really had to do with your girlfriend. Still, you were still found yourself focusing on your girlfriend and loss of your girlfriend. It wasn't like the original loss was coming and bubbling up. I wasn't aware of it that way. It took after a while. It was like, what is going on right. here? Cause this doesn't fit. Yeah. And just, 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 I just feel like it's so important to just a little teachable moment here and all of my work with people around grief and loss. I have a theory <laughs> because I've seen it pretty consistently, which is that you have one big loss and it's like you manage that loss or you handle it in whatever coping skills you feel like you have, which for you was like, I'm not going to <laughs> handle it other than get a good firm grip and push down on it. But um, it's usually the second loss. So it's like someone loses a parent and then they lose their cat or their dog or their right. they they have a breakup with or a one night stand. And the, but the, then the one night stand is like they're the ones that get left and get ghosted. And and then suddenly this w- massive grief shows up. Yeah. So I just want to speak to that, too, because you you're naming that like it was focused on the girlfriend. But then there was this thing around like, wait a minute, this might even be more than her. Yeah, it took a, it was a few weeks after I was I was really in it and I was still in it. And I had, you know, I'd been broken up. You know, I'd had breakups and stuff before. I was just like, man, this is really deep. And I mean, I, I couldn't eat. I'd lost 30 mm-hmm. pounds. I couldn't even watch television. I didn't want to listen to music. Were you able to work? Cause you were starting a, you had started a company. I had, uh, yeah, I had my own company. I would were go you like and just making like big mistakes. No, nah, I was just doing the bare minimum. I come in at night. So nobody had to see me. I would just do whatever little bit I had. Glenn, who, you know, I worked with at the time, did a, he knew what was going on. He did a lot to shield me and protect me. And, um, he, you know, so it, it, it was great to have his friendship and his alliance there. And, and, and to know that, you know, I was, I wasn't completely misunderstood, but I, I just really felt isolated and alone. I think, and I was still seeing that therapist through that time, but I was so blown out in orbit. Mm. Um, compared to where I had been, it was such a, what the heck is going on? Right. So you were maybe going into that initial therapy sessions, like, I don't need to be here. I'm kind of, am I wasting my time to going in because you just need a place to contain this? And also just what the hell is going on? What what is going on? Why make this stop? I was in, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so it wasn't even, I don't know if it was so much as curiosity. She's like, what do I got to do to make this stop? Uh I'm out of Mm -hmm. control. It was all about control. Mm -hmm. I want to be an emotional, emotional control. I want to feel like I can go do things. So I'd lost this sense of control Mm -hmm. and it was like, what do I have to do to get back in control? And I was, I was not surrendering to this process. I was fighting it tooth and nail. Mm. And, um, even, even at that point of where you were just, you couldn't eat and you couldn't. Yeah. Eventually uh, it was just like, whatever. I was going to lay on the couch here and cry some more. It's just like, mm-hmm. whatever. I'm so tired of fighting it and trying to r- rationalize this and talk myself out of feeling this way. Was, I just remember just being like, whatever. And how I need to were... cry. If I need to cry, I'll just freaking cry. Just yeah. be done. Yeah. And it would come through waves and, yep. and that kind of thing. You asked how old I was. I was, I guess I was 24, 25 maybe. Okay. And, um, anyway, I was, you know, 
my mother taking her own life. And I, I, and I was laying there on the couch one night and I was just like, what do I have to do? What do I, how do I make this stop? I was just tired of being in that place. And I had this, this thought just came in real close to clear. It was like, well, you could kill yourself. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was so clear that I didn't want to kill myself, but I was like, well, that would work. You know, that, that seems, take away this suffering. That seems like it would stop this. Mm-hmm. It'd be a, a long-term solution to a short-term scenario. It feels all encompassing and forever and ever and overwhelming. And exactly. It was like, what do I got to do? But I, I remember that was, it was a lightning bolt that hit me in that moment. It was like, Oh, this is, mm-hmm. this was it. And that I just, I and went when from, you say, Oh, this was it. What do you mean? This was what? This was what I'm guessing was, well, it was a flavor of what she might've been experiencing. She, your I mom. don't, my mom. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But to, to even be in a place to consider that kind of thing is I just, it just opened a window where I could look in and be like, Oh, this is it. Yeah. Where it's when this seems like a good idea, when this seems like a viable solution, mm-hmm. when it's even on the table, you know, this is, this is what it's, it looks and smells like. And, mm-hmm. and I remember, you know, if we go back where a few minutes ago, it was just unimaginable. Yeah. It immediately was like, I get it. I totally get it. You get how someone I get why somebody would do that. And you yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's you get how it's a good how it seems like a good idea at the time. Seems like a good idea at the time. Totally get it. Not a great choice. Sure. I did wasn't in my righteousness then. It was just like I get it. I totally get it. And I felt that forgiveness coming. I didn't have to effort anything. There was nothing that had to be done. Just immediately it lifted. Mm. I didn't even realize I've been carrying this eight hundred pound concrete block of anger and resentment and it just lifted. Yeah. It was just, it was like, Oh, there, Oh, I got it. I totally get it now. Yeah. And I was, I was very clear in that moment though, that I wanted to live, even though this sucked, I want to live. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to live like this. Uh-huh. And, um, I, can I, I want just, can I pause? I just, I'm just feeling so interested and drawn to breaking something down right now. What you're talking about, you ran, you ran, you ran, you ran. You had no interest in personal growth. You ran, you ran, you ran from your emotional. And I was a macho dick about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Misogynistic <laughs> with women and, you know, like, like mad <laughs> about Pissed. lots of things. Pissed at women, didn't right. trust them, yeah. didn't trust a lot of people yeah. or a lot of things. Just every, so it, everyone's so, going to so let hurt. me down. Right. That right. was the victim story. Yeah. And, and I just want to name, like, from my perspective, it's like, yes, that behavior sucks to be around. And, you know, when I have heard your story and I've heard it more than once, but I, when I hear it, even still, when I hear it, when I hear you say that, like, oh, my relationship sucked and I made, I was a dick in a lot of ways and I was mad and, you know, all the things that you say, I think I feel my compassion for you. Like, I feel like, oh my God, you were so hurt. You were, you were hurting so bad. And then I also hear this place when you talk about that sort of like lowest point, that lowest point where you were basically consumed by your emotions and you had fought so hard against that moment at all those moments, but you got to a place where you, you surrendered just because it was like, what fucking ever, like I can't do anything else. So I might as well just 
lay here and cry. Yeah, let the train hit me. Yeah, and but even though it was a like, oh my God, let the train hit me, there was an element of like, I give up. I'm gonna just be with what's here. Not from a not from a place of competence necessarily, or like some Buddhist like mm, I can handle everything. But it was just I all it's all. There's nothing more to do but just be with what's here. Right. And and the the thing that strikes me is that your ability to just simply be with what's there. Yes, of course it's scary, and yes, it's overwhelming, and of course it's still uncomfortable. And and then what happened after that? was you were able somehow, and you didn't never said this word, but you were able to find compassion. Suddenly you weren't the only one on the planet that's ever had this experience. And you were able to find a place inside that deep pit glass cage of emotion where you realize like, Oh my God, this is, this is, uh, this is just heaviness. And other people have this too. My mom had this. Of course, this is all consuming. And, oh, I get that she's consumed too. The reason that I just want to name that is that that's, there's a lot in our um, media and personal growth and development that has to do with finding compassion, that has to do with being with your emotions or expressing your emotions. Or we talk that talk a lot, but there's a, there's just a, um, a real organic, unbeknownst to you, thing that was happening with your ability to just actually kind of get swallowed up by it and then be with that. So, so a little, little digression, but it felt important to name because that's in you today. Still, you still have that ability to be with what's here and have compassion that that might not be the only thing going on. (laughs) That might not be the only choice in the room. So when you, so coming back to that moment for you, when you had that lightning bolt moment of, oh my God, I can, I can understand, I can see now, I can see how she might have made that choice. I can see how she might have wanted to make that choice. How did you get up off the couch? What had you not be like, yeah, I'm just, I actually am just going to get consumed and lost in my emotions here. Well, I never felt like it was wallowing. I think there's a difference between having emotions and wallowing in them. Mm-hmm. And I was really clear I didn't want to wallow, but I, I could feel the difference between letting whatever needed to pass just pass. And it, I, I learned then what, what one of the things that stuck with me and it helped me. It was just like, all right, this is, if this was an electrical current, then I'm merely the conduit and it just needs to pass through me. The more that I try to resist it, I'm just burn myself out. That's great. I just freak out. It just, it just creates. So at that, Mm -hmm. at that point in my life, I was just like, all right, whatever, I got to feel this, then let's feel it. And it would be done. Mm -hmm. It would be over in in a few minutes. I'd, I'd have a, I'd have an experience. And then a few minutes later, like, Oh, this is different now. I feel, I feel cleaner now. And then it might be Mm -hmm. another wave comes later on whenever it would, but. And so you were able to track that even then you were able to notice that because it was such a distinct experience. Well, I felt peace. Uh I wasn't feeling peace trying to outrun it. Mm -hmm. That's where the anxiety and the tension and the, oh shit, oh shit was coming from. And the wallowing, essentially the victimhood you were saying around like, I don't, there's no forgiveness here. Right. So it was, it was like, okay, well, if I got to feel this, I would just feel it. And, um, I, I let go of 
it needing to be different. But what I learned was like, it just passed. It was in like a rainstorm and it would just pass. Mm. And then I felt peace. The peace I was deeply wanting was on the other side of that thing that I was avoiding. Mm-hmm. So it was like, okay, well, whatever. If, I, if that's mm. how I get to experience peace, then so be it. I, I'm tired of trying to hold it all together. Mm. And I'd realized like how much work, I mean, when I talk about trying to hold it together, it was like managing every conversation I was in so that they didn't ask my parents about my parents. They didn't mm. ask about my upbringing. They didn't ask. Wow. It was just, uh, how do I stay three steps ahead so that we don't go down this road? Wow. How do I say, so they don't ask me about this? Like it was always, oh, wow. every, it was just this, okay, got to make sure we don't talk about this. Got to make sure we don't go down that road. Got to make sure it was just all this. How do I defensive, just constantly protecting and defending and and that it was freaking exhausting. Yeah. And so that was just easy. It was like, whatever, Hey, whatever, let's talk about it. And it was, that felt strong. Did you know, if, we're, I mean, again, I know hindsight's so, so clear and you have the words for it now, but back then, you know, the thing that I'm holding on to here is when you were like, my relief was on the other side of my discomfort. I would say it's peace. It was, my it was peace. a genuine sense of peace. And it, you, could, but could, and you were able to identify it back then as such. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. When when you, when it feels like shit, anything that feels better than feeling like shit is <laughs> like okay, more of that, right? <laughs> relief, but, the peace, but relief, relief wasn't more relief. I associate more like cool. I I don't have to deal with this right now. That's managing the conversation, right? Okay, good. We're I'm not okay. We we avoided the discomfort. But there was still that anxiety. Right. That's a good distinction <laughs> between relief okay, and peace. The relief would be like I dodged that bullet. Right. Peace was, hey, we can go there and it'll be fine. Mm -hmm. That's the difference. And that's what I talk about, you know, when I'm working with people is let's, let's create a a real, uh, discerning ability to tell the difference between peace and relief. Cause most of us are just settling for relief. How do I medicate myself so I don't have to feel that discomfort? How do I distract myself so I don't have to feel that discomfort or or control or all of these other things, which is a lot different than, Hey, if I'm willing to go through this, mm-hmm. that's usually where the peace is, mm-hmm. is when I'm not trying to run away from it or avoid it anymore. And I can't hold my hand up and say, I do this all the time, but at least I know it. I know it in there yeah. that, that mm, if I really want peace, then we're going to steer into this yeah, thing yeah. and just deal you, with it. You do practice that way. And, and so that's an amazing uh, kind of aha moment or moments for you on the other side of it. So how did you begin to tack towards personal growth? After that, I got curious. I was in this place of what the hell. Where do I get more? Did I just go through? Well, I just, it was. Okay. I was reborn. I mean, I was just, holy crap. I just, Uh I, I was experiencing the world so much differently. I was suddenly curious about things because I wasn't afraid of things. So it was okay. Well, I'm now, I want to learn about spirituality. What is this? weird stuff called Zen or Taoism or whatever. Like, what is this? And what is that? I want to learn. And I wasn't a reader before. And man, I just started tearing through books and wanting to figure out what the hell just happened. And I was starting to get a a real sense of the machine, for lack of a better term, my body and my emotions. Uh I was like, what is this? Who's, Uh who's, (laughs) there's this whole thing Mm -hmm. that's going on and I'm, I can feel it now and I'm aware of it. I'm aware of me now. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to outrun it. So, okay, who's figured this out? Do you remember the first book that you picked up that, that really stuck with you? I don't know if I remember the first. 
I mean, the, the, the first, there were a lot of books that I went through, but the, I would say that, um, the book that really knocked my socks off and was just like, thank freaking God was, um, Ken Wilber's marriage of sense and soul. Mm-hmm. And yeah, which is Ken's work, right? Ken's Ken's work in the world so has great, been yeah. to integrate. Here's that's his thing. Like mm-hmm. here's the big picture. Here's He's how all of these synthesizer. Here's yeah. how all the pieces fit together. And mm-hmm. I was like, thank you. He actually gives you a map. And like, here's where psychology comes in. Here's where ecology comes in. Here's where this is blah blah blah. Here's where spirituality fits in. He was like, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. I went from the splintered, walled off like existence. Can, you can only talk about that over here. Can only there's no relationship between all of these things. They're all siloed to everything is interconnected and here's how not yeah. just in some not just not just some w- spiritual w- w- new age bullshit yeah. like it's all it's all yeah, one it's man all it was like man. no here's yeah. how it works together here's how what the sciences are saying and i just i was then i i was voracious yeah. at that point ken's mm-hmm. work had really opened up something and of course like ken, discovering ken's like discovering Led Zeppelin's you're like, well, <laughs> yeah. then who are these blues guys and who are these yeah, folk yeah. guys and you just <laughs> like because right. he'll introduce you to yeah. all the different sciences and philosophers from there on and a lot of, you know, so that was, I, that's what I recall from that period. And boy, I was just on the, I was off, you know, a hundred thousand miles an hour after that point. Mm -hmm. So at what point, a hundred thousand miles an hour at that point, now this is, this is a important place to actually slow down, even though you were going really fast, a lot of people have these moments and they they're voracious to continue on that path awakening peace freedom whatever you want to call it um but their life that they've built everything around them i was still in the closet oh you were oh big time big time so you didn't talk to anyone about this not really. Glenn? What about Glenn? Glenn, Glenn and was I he, talked about he this. Was he into meditating back then? He wasn't into meditating back then, but we, we could talk about, we would have great conversations about things, mainly kind of more 30,000 foot view of things, but we could talk about, it. but you know, it's still, I was in my mid twenties. I was a musician. I was starting my band again. I was still, I was, oh, was so really songs, split though. Did you put it in your lyrics? Yeah, some of that was in there, uh, but I still was like the gonna go out and party. And okay. so there's still a split. I mean, still like in, like what you said about it being in the closet, yeah. which was tough because I didn't feel that sense of alignment. Mm-hmm. I was in the closet essentially about my you know growing curiosity about personal growth, spirituality all of this stuff and really didn't have anybody to communicate about it with. And the people that I was around, they were kind of, you know, they were people that I loved, but that wasn't what we would talk about. And what was the, what were some of the, if you can remember, what were some of the stories you would tell yourself about those people that had you stay in the closet about it? Like, oh, I can't possibly talk to them. It comes out, they're just going to think I'm weird. Yeah. They're just just not going to get it. This is stuff that's really important to me. Uh I don't know anybody else that's gone through something like this. So nobody's going to get it. Just keep your mouth shut. Um, that thing, that whole story. Yeah. Yeah. Managing the, and, and so I was out of alignment with my work in the world. My work in the world was, you know, you mentioned the political stuff. Mm. I don't know how I ended up getting political clients, but that's how political clients were finding me. And essentially, you know, I was making really good money, mm-hmm. making these 
crap ads that basically all they did was misinform and scare the shit out of people. Yeah. Yeah, And it was like, wow, this is terrible. This is not what I want to do. Uh, you know, this isn't what I want to do in my heart, but Oh, the money's good. Don't give up the money. Don't do anything to screw that up. Um, you know, friendships just weren't, at least I wasn't willing to really invite folks into that. You know, I was going and teaching Tai Chi to old people several nights a week. And then I was partying my ass off in a rock band on the weekend. It was just this weird split. I was trying to maintain all of these different worlds and I was getting back into living a fragmented life. Uh Um, I eventually got back into another long-term relationship and with that, that person really wasn't aligned with these values and that kind of stuff. So they were in line with the other life. The fun the life. Look of, I don't know. And, she wasn't crazy about being. She was threatened by me being in a band. Understandably, going away every weekend and and, you know, being and in front of girls and stuff. Yeah. The other thing that I want to point to here is that, like you were saying, that you were making really good money. You had bought a house by then, right? Correct. You had bought your own car by then. I was doing well. Um, you were for yeah. a, for a guy in his, in his mid twenties who had done who had created his own. Like, yeah, made I your was, own company. Yeah, exactly. Like fresh out of art school, you you were rocking in the business world, and, and only working a few hours a week. And right. You were the original four hour work week guy, <laughs> like bringing in the income that you want for the for the only lifestyle. working. Yeah, right. going in at ten and leaving at two, <laughs> which after, I know you did after a two hour lunch. <laughs> after two, right? So. So, uh, you know, but the point being is, I, I mean, I think I, the reason that I'm bringing all that up is because that's a different, I don't know how to talk about it in an articulate way right now, but there's a thing that is so seductive. Like we talked a little bit in our past conversations here about success and getting kind of sucked into what success is. And I don't know that you were ever really dead set on success, like the way you described it in our other conversations for other people. But I know that being in that, like having this split means that to me, it infers that there is some sort of, you know, veneer that you want to keep that has to do with that world, so to speak. You weren't going to go hide in a cave for 17 years. And no, well, there was definitely, I was, I had grown a lot and I had created this life and I was feeling the squeeze, right? So even though it was amazing and this was the split, this was the, the real rub was that I had created a life that was incredibly comfortable. I had created a life that also made me look good. I had an identity like, Oh, you're this, yeah. you've done really well for yourself at a young age. And people are like, wow, this, there was, there was, a, there was, I got my ass kissed. Right. Yeah. So if you start to take away those things like, Oh shit, I don't want to lose that. This is, yes. I don't even want to risk that, yeah. but I wasn't feeling aligned there. Right. There was, there was a thing like, is this it? Although is there were it? comforts that were coming with it, with not working a ton, exactly. with traveling. So I felt with... crazy to think, why would I want to change? Mm-hmm. What a spoiled brat. Mm-hmm. Why can't I just be happy here? I'll just keep reading books. I'll just keep reading books and be in my own little world. And maybe I'll marry this girl, I guess. Like, I don't know. Like there was just this thing. Maybe this is good enough. Like, maybe, why can't I just be grateful for what I have? And, mm-hmm. but deep down there was this sense of, come on, is this it? You got, you got into your mid late twenties and, and this was it. Hmm. This, you just like, 
plateaued. Which is an interesting voice to even entertain, like even be able to say you heard, given where you've come from. Like you were in basically what the way I calculate it, 13 years of hard suffering and pain. And I then I wasn't aware and of then it. dark night, you know, level of like major um well, it was a different type of discomfort. It was just like, is this it? like I'm feeling boxed in? And I was curious and willing to try things. And I was actually exploring the world more. I was starting to create some community that I'd actually gotten, I'd actually gotten connected with in the Ken Wilbur world through Stuart Davis. He and I became friends mm -hmm. and, and I was just, the world was opening up mm -hmm. and there was another possibility. So it went from being less of a, I wonder what else is out there to there's another world out there mm -hmm. and you're being kind of a chicken shit mm -hmm. and and, and so as much as I like to thump my chest and be like, I'm all about these values and living this way in the world, I was full of shit. It was, I was doing work that was outside of my values. I was, uh, in a relationship that wasn't aligned with what I wanted. And I was also socially, you know, not in, not surrounding myself with the people that I, that really aligned with me, even though I love them, there was, there's no complaint there. It just it wasn't the next phase of my life. And I was resisting that next phase and I was playing the victim again, like wanting to complain. I was laying on all oh, that. My clients suck and this town sucks. And my girlfriend is this and that. I just wanting to make everything else wrong. Mm -hmm. And I just, I became very critical and like bitchy about stuff instead of turning around and say, well, if I don't like it, then what am I going to do about it? It's up to me. It's not, it's not the, it's not the town that I'm living in. It's false. It's not my company's fault. It's not this woman's fault. It's me. Yeah. How am I going to respond? If I don't like yeah. this, then what am I going to do about it? We'll pause the story here. Be sure to subscribe so that you can listen to the next installment whenever it's available. If these interviews are helping you, please leave a positive review on whatever podcast app you use so that others can discover the show more easily.